I don't know if you've ever had anything that was like hanging over your head. You thought it'd never go away. Uh, maybe it was a mountain of debt you got yourself into from school or who knows what it could be, you know, and you kind of look at that big pile of debt and you thought, I feel like I'm trapped in a mine and all I have is a garden shovel to dig myself out, you know, and you think I'm never going to get out from under this and every day you wake up and it influences every area of your life and you just can't get rid of it. Maybe you had some run-ins with the law back from a season in your life when you weren't making the best decisions, you know, and that just felt like the consequences of that were going to stretch on forever for you. Um, I had one of those back in uh, my foolish youth days uh, when I was, uh, well, let me say this. I joked last week that I, about, that I hadn't been arrested in a while. Technically speaking, I've never been arrested, okay? Let me say that. I wasn't trying to lie. I was making a joke. Um, but it real felt, really felt like I was getting close. I'll say it that way. Um, when I was 18, a couple of friends and myself, we took a trip, a road trip to Florida. I know some of you have heard this story, but some of you have not. Uh, took a tri- road trip to Florida, and uh, you know, we wanted to celebrate our graduation from high school and the fact that you know, we were now grown men. We would had our 18th birthday. You know, we were fully mature. We were done. We were done growing up, so now we should go celebrate, you know? And so we go to Florida for a week, go to Disney World and stuff, and go to the beach. And um, After the week's over, we make the drive back, and I said, I'll take the first, I'll take the first shift driving. So we were driving through a southern state. I won't name it in case there's any law enforcement officials listening. I don't want them to track me down. Um, but we were driving through a state. The, uh, the interstate uh, in that state was the m- speed limit was 70 miles an hour. So naturally, I was going 90 with the flow of traffic. Somebody pulls out in front of me going dangerously slow, foolishly slow, painfully slow. Like, they were probably only going the speed limit, you know. It's like, what a moron. And so they kind of cut me off, and then uh, when I had the opportunity, I floored it and went by him just to show them how much better I was than they were, how bad of a driver they were. Well, it was when I was passing this person that a, uh, an officer of the law clocked me going 102 in that 70-mile-an-hour zone. I got a couple of tickets on the spot, a speeding ticket and a reckless driving ticket, and then the officer gave it, us the option. He said, I could ride in the back of his patrol car to the station, or one of my friends could drive the car and follow him to the station, so we chose that option. So we get to the station, and he said, okay, you can either pay the fines for all these tickets now, or you can sit in a jail cell until your mom and dad come down to pay them for you. And I don't know if he could do that legally or not. I don't know, but it felt like he could, and I believed every word that they said, and I took it as God's honest truth. And so I looked at my friends, and I was like, what are we going to do? I can't sit in jail. You're like, I'm, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm not a grown-up anymore. I don't want to be a grown-up anymore. What's happening? You know. And so um, we kind of pooled together all the money that we had, and luckily we had enough to pay these many, many fines that I had acquired, and get a couple tanks of gas on the way home. And I thought, oh, this stinks. I'm going to have to pay my friends back. What am I going to do? And then we get home, and I find out, um, because I'm a kid and didn't know these things, that um, I was going to have to hire a lawyer to go to court on my behalf in Georgia, because I I said it, man. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) Court in a southern state. I can edit that out of the recording, so as long as we're all cool... Snitches get stitches, remember, okay? Um, anyway, I'd hire a lawyer, on the, and so that cost a lot of money, and I didn't have that money, so my parents paid for that, and, and it just felt like this was going to drag on forever, and on top of all the legal stuff, and I had to get people to write character letters to, to send to the judge saying, this is some dumb kid, he made a bad choice, maybe if you drop some of the tickets, everything will be okay, and, and, uh, so, and then not only that, but I had 
money. It was several thousand dollars that I had to pay back to my friends and my parents, which doesn't, in the whole grand scheme of life, several thousand dollars isn't an impossible hole, but I'd never had a real job at that point. It, it might as well have been a million, you know, a thousand dollars was this impossible amount of money. And so um, I finally, though, one day I remember when it seemed like the legal stuff had ended and it, I wrote those final checks to my mom and dad and my friends and it was gone. It felt like it was done. I wasn't going to carry that weight anymore. And I remember that feeling of freedom. I remember that feeling. It just felt like forever I'd been like, forced to hunch over because the weight of it was so much it dogged every single day it was always that shadow hanging over me and all of a sudden I could finally stand up and stretch and move and live life again and if you've ever had something like that that was on you forever and then it was gone you know the amazing peace it's almost a joyful you want to start running around your house like a kid it's joyful freedom and that's what this series has been about experiencing that Freedom. Now, the thing we're talking about as we finish up this series today called Free of Me is being free from ourselves. Because I think everybody, to some extent, has this self-absorbed, self-obsessed, self-focused nature. Our natural way to look at life is how does this affect me? What do I want to do? What do I want to say? How are people going to feel about what I do today? We kind of look through the lens of ourselves first as we go out into the world. And the problem with trying to be free of that is that we have all been selfish almost our whole lives. It's so common that we don't even see it as a problem anymore. In fact, we live in a culture that says, well, yeah, you focus on yourself. Nobody else is going to look out for you, so you look out for you. Don't worry about everybody else. You take care of yourself. You do what you want. Everybody else can do what they want, you know, and and so we kind of get taught to focus on ourselves. And here's why that's a problem. It's hard to get out from under the weight that you don't even see on your shoulders anymore. It's hard to get free from the chains you don't even feel shackled up with anymore. And so this series, I've hopefully been trying to open our eyes to the dangers of selfishness. And I want us to be free. And let me tell you, when you finally can get past yourself, and you can finally start seeing the world not primarily from how does it affect me, but you can start seeing what God wants for you and what other people want for you, it is absolute freedom. Now I want to recap just a little bit if you haven't missed anything and if you if you have been here through the entire thing just for the sake of kind of putting this all together I want us to see this as we finish this up today. But the reason why we become self-focused in the first place is because as human beings we all are on a quest for value. We have a desire to have meaning and purpose in our lives. We desire to be people who matter in this world, who make a difference to some extent in this world. And you might feel like, I don't think I feel that way. You might think, I don't walk around every day going, I hope I matter today. No, well, the the other way you could say this is we are all on a quest to not fail. We are all on a quest to not be insignificant. Maybe you fear uh, failing at work because you think, if I fail at work, then what am I good at? My job is, my, is kind of my life. That's what I put all my energy into. You don't want to fail as a spouse or a parent because you think, you know, this is like, this family thing is what I've cared so much about, and if I fail, what good am I? You are on a quest to not fail, to not be insignificant. You fear being nothing. You fear having nothing to contribute to the world, and I do too, and so that's kind of how we live our lives. We're all on this quest. We want to matter. We want to prove to the world that we aren't worthless, and so we base our value. As we search for value, we will base our value on all kinds of different things. Our accomplishments at work or 
with your kids or in a, some a sporting thing if you're still young and able enough to do that. Um, we base our value on our performance in our, in our family lives as parents and, and husbands and wives. Um, we can base our value on physical attractiveness. And that's a good thing to base your value on because that sticks around, right? That's always there forever. And, uh, and so you base, um, you base your, you'll base your value on your talents, the things you're good at, whether it's a sport or you can sing or you got some whatever talent you feel, you feel good about that. And you think, I'm talented, and so that's kind of who I am. But the most common thing that we've talked about a couple times in this series, the most common thing that we base our value on is the opinions of others. Man, do we care what other people think. And I've heard tons and tons of people say, well, I don't care what others think. And I don't know if I've believed anybody that says that yet. In fact, the more people say, I don't care what other people think, I feel like that's just that, like, kid who, who got in trouble. That wasn't that bad. You know, I feel like it's like, ow. That, like, they're, like, limping away. That wasn't bad, you know. It, hurt, it didn't hurt that much, you know. It's like, I feel like, like, when we say that, it's really just a cover-up, okay. I don't care what other people think, but we do. The words of other people, their opinions of us, they feel really weighty. Whether it's something your mom and dad said about you, whether the bullies at school said something about you when you were young, whether a sister or a brother, what other people say, that judgment, that verdict, that cruel thing, man, that felt official, didn't it? I mean, some of you have been on the receiving end of uh, mean kids on the playground when you were in school. When that kid said, you're a loser, it felt like you might as well have the name tag. I'm a loser, because it felt like that was the truth at that point. You're like, I don't want to be a loser, but they said I am, so I guess I am. It feels so real. That's why the, uh, the great theological television show from the early 2000s, Scrubs, in that show, the main character said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will hurt forever. That's how it feels sometimes. Some of you remember something mean someone said to you. But, <coughs> excuse me. But as we look to other people for our worth, for our, uh, our, our self-validation, that, 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 that process is drawing us inward because I want you to think good of me. I want you to think that I'm great. I want you to think that I'm cool or that I'm, I'm, I'm amazing or that I'm talented. I want to be admired and liked. It's all this very inward focus. And I want everybody in the world to be looking at me and validating me and praising me because I need that or else maybe I don't matter. And this is, like I said, it's kind of a part of our culture. Uh, I saw a, a survey that was done the other day. And in that survey, of, it was of students and 8 out of 20 kids, that's 40% of kids, when they gave them a list of values to rank, say, hey, here's like, you know, kindness and selflessness and being good at work or being a good, good at your family. Here's all these values. We want you to rank them from the most important. 40% of kids said that fame was the most important value over kindness, over success. They wanted to have fame because if enough people are looking at them and admire them and follow them, that means they are valuable. That means they must be worth something if all these people are looking at them, praising their life. And so we live our lives in a very real way caring about what other people think. And so um, as we looked at last week, the Apostle Paul, in one of his letters to one of the churches that he visited as he traveled the ancient Roman world, he wrote to them, showing them a better way, showing them a better place to hang their self-worth than just what do other people think. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. Whoops, skipped one. He says, but, it, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any other human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. So he says, I don't care what other people think. Only the difference is 
He means it. I've heard a lot of people say it, and I don't think they mean it. He means it. He says, I've gotten past that. You guys telling me what you think about me, that's a small thing. I don't care what you guys, how you judge me. Because he had some people that said, Paul's the greatest. And then he had other people who said, Paul's the worst. And he says, either way, whatever group is saying what, that's all just noise. I don't listen to the other people. My opinion, my self-worth, my identity is not hanging on what other people have to say about me. He says, in fact, we need to bypass this whole rating our value on what humans think anyway to the point where he says, I don't even judge myself. He says, that little voice in my head that says, you're not good enough, you can't do it. He says, I don't even listen to that anymore because human judgment is flawed. He says, there's a better place to to base your value. There's a better foundation to set your worth on. And in the next verse, he tells us what it is. He says, it is the Lord who judges me. It is Christ who determines my value. And Paul says the only opinion that matters about you is the one that God gives you, the one that comes from Christ himself. The only verdict, the only opinion that matters is that of Christ. And here's why that is amazing. Because what Christ did for you and me on the cross silences all that other noise. What Christ did for you and me on the cross, it puts an end to that desire, that need we have to endlessly scramble for stuff, for approval, and and convince others and ourselves that we matter. It puts an end to that because when Christ went to the cross, what he did was he took every bad thing I've ever done, every character flaw, every part of myself that is unsavory and every bad decision, every selfish choice, every hurtful word that I've ever said and that you've ever said, he took our entire record of wrongs on himself and he paid the price for our kind of sinful criminal record. Wiped it away. Totally, completely paid the price for everything bad that we've ever done. And as he took our bad record away, he gave us his record of perfect sinlessness. So that as we stand before God now, how we've lived our lives up to this point, how we've lived in, in, mis- in all the things that make us dread and, and worry about whether or not we matter, all the mistakes we've made, every bad thing that's ever been judged upon us, that doesn't matter anymore. The only thing that matters is knowing that we stand before God in Christ, free, clear, saved, because of what he did for us on the cross. Now, here's why that's a game changer. Here's why you need to listen to what Jesus says about you and nothing else, okay? Here's why that's so different than everything else you've ever been taught to do. It's because Christ's judgment is the only one not based on performance. Christ's judgment of you and of me is the only one not based on you doing something. In every other area of life, you have to do something in order to get that verdict, that judgment, that opinion that you matter, Everything else is based on performance. You work hard at school trying to get that gold tassel or the summa cum laude on your diploma because you want people to think you're smart and you want to feel smart. You try hard at work because you want to increase your income and you want to maybe get a promotion so that people will think you're successful and so that you will feel successful. You make sure you try to eat right and work out because you want people to think you're attractive and you want to feel attractive. We might say it's because we want to be healthy, but let's be honest. Most of us want to look in the mirror and be like, oh, yeah, right? Fine, I'll admit it. If you guys won't. I told you we can't get through this until we all know this is a problem. Okay? One other place, this is one that surprised me, but since becoming a parent and getting into, like, the school system, there is this thing, and I feel it, and I know my wife feels we've talked about this before, but you watch parents around each other, 
And immediately they want every other parent to think they're a good parent. How do you think every birthday party there's gift bags now? Because somebody did it who, who was really skilled at doing that kind of stuff, really loved throwing parties, and everybody else is like, well, I don't want everybody to think I'm a terrible mom because I didn't give a gift bag. And so now we all give gift bags because we're worried about it. You know, I hear people tell stories about something they did or an incident with their kids, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard a parent telling a story to another parent and say, I'm not a bad parent, but this was a bad day. Like, like trying to preface what they're saying, don't, don't judge me by this one incident, but because we're worried about what other people think. We, wor- we have to perform in a certain way so that we can get the judgment, the verdict. And what's interesting is even every religious system, most every religious system is set up this way. You've got to work your way to the top. In Buddhism, um, you've got to perform your way to enlightenment. In Hinduism, you've got to perform your way to, to nirvana. In, in Islam, you've got to perform your way to, to salvation. Even atheists who say, we don't need Christian or any sort of religious morality to be good people. You say, okay, well then what makes you a good person? Well, you've got to live like a good person. You've got to be kind, and you've got to do this, and you've got to you know, be nice to your neighbor. They've, it's still a level of perform, and then you can be a good person. Perform, and then you get the verdict. But Jesus comes and turns all that away. He is the only system. Jesus is the only way that you get a verdict, a judgment, a positive judgment about you without you having to do anything to earn it. Every other area of life you have to perform, accomplish, acquire in order to prove your value. But Christ declares your value, your righteousness before you ever have to do a single thing. And this is entirely unique to the gospel of Jesus. There is nothing else on the face of this planet like it. It is entirely unique to Jesus. And the moment we put our faith in Christ, we stand before God as perfect, as righteous, as holy, as saved. The moment we put our faith in Christ, the verdict is set. The matter is settled. You can't earn any more value than what God has placed on you. You cannot achieve more than than the standard that God has placed on you when you put your life in Christ. And that is incredibly important for you to know and to believe it. Because I've known it for a long time, but it's really hard sometimes for me to believe it. But here's the thing. Trusting in Christ's judgment of you is where freedom from yourself is found. Until you believe Christ's judgment of you, that you are truly free of your sin, that you are truly forgiven, that you are truly deeply loved, that you are a beloved son or daughter of God, until you believe what Jesus says about you, you will always be looking around trying to find external things to make you feel better about you. The only way you can get past that is when you believe the truth that Christ says about you. And when you believe him, when you realize that he says that you matter, you can finally Do more with your life than just trying to build up your own little resume because the ultimate judge has already decided that your resume is okay. That means you're finally free. Once you believe Christ, you're finally free from that endless scrambling to impress others and convince yourself that you matter. I mean, imagine being in a situation where you did not have this need, this baggage of needing to draw attention to yourself. And you don't even realize how often you do it. And the thing is, I don't think I do either. And the more I think about it, the more uh, I look at my life, the more I realize just how often I am trying to steer people and conversations and everything back to myself. It's amazing. Um, One example I was thinking of just the other day, and I've always felt bad about what I'm getting ready to tell you, uh, but I never never quite diagnosed it until years later. Um, When I first became a minister, I did not know what I was doing. More than now, but very much so then. 
And, you know, not to rip on Bible college, it, ta- it got me where I am, but when I went to Bible college, they taught me a lot about studying the Bible, but not a lot about being a minister or a leader in any sense. And so I, I get out of college, and I'm, I'm preaching at this um, small country church down south, and um, a lady in my church at the time passed away, and I had to do a funeral, first funeral. There's no Funerals 101 in Bible college. Um, and so um, I got to tell you, when my first thought, my first feeling, my first emotion when it came to entering into that situation of meeting with the family, prepping a funeral, and all of that, my first emotion was not compassion for the family. My first emotion was fear. Fear of looking stupid. Fear of doing something wrong. Fear of doing something way out of the ordinary that nobody has ever done in the history of funerals, and then proving that my, I don't, I'm not cut out for this. Proving that I just wasted the last number of years of my life pursuing a career that I was never going to be good at. And it wasn't, now, by the way, I'm not a monster. It wasn't like compassion was non-existent, okay? I'm not a sociopath, but I'll just be honest. My selfishness put compassion on the back burner, and it was primarily about me trying to navigate it for me. And I just chalked it up in experience. I'm sure that'll get better as I get through it, but I can't deny the fact that there's something evil about that. There's something wrong about entering into a situation where I'm trying to help people who are devastated by the loss of a loved one, and all I can care about is me. That's how nasty this self-focused perspective is. And you've been there, and I've been there, and it, your story's not my story, because you probably don't do funerals, and that's okay. It's, it's a weird thing to do as a job. But, but that's one place that I've noticed it in my life showing through. But when you can get over yourself... When you can stop caring about what people think about you and how uh, foolish you might look in a certain situation, when you can truly rest in the fact that Jesus says you matter, regardless of if you fail, Jesus says you matter, regardless of if you succeed, Jesus says you matter, regardless of whether or not you do whatever it is or don't do whatever it is, when you realize that Jesus' judgment of you, his verdict of you, is the one that matters and it is unshakable and unbreakable, when you can stand on that foundation... You are free to experience the peace. You can rest in this Christ-given peace that you've probably never experienced before. And it's a whole different world to be uh, when, you, when you go out for the first time and you're not looking at the world through, how does this affect me? But for the first time in your life, you can have that weight off your shoulders and it won't be tainting everything that you do. You can finally help people for the sake of they need help rather than I'm helping so that people will think I'm generous and people will think I'm kind. You can actually, oh, I don't know, take breaks in your life, take rest, seasons of rest, spend time with your family rather than work, 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 go, 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 because your value is not based on you accomplishing things. Your values are not based on everybody going, wow, they're such a hard worker. Wow, how do they get it all done? Your value is not based on that. Your value is set in Christ. So when you need rest, you can take rest. When you need to invest in your family, you can invest in your family. When you can be free from yourself, you can do Christ-focused things, God-honoring things, spirit-led things. You can do what's wisest in your life. You can live servant, make servant-hearted decisions instead of doing what benefits you the most. It totally frees a huge category of wrong decisions and, and nastiness from your life that you've been living with for a long time. And here's the thing. What it, what it looks like when you get into that moment of being free from yourself you almost won't even notice, and that's really weird. It'll be great, but you almost won't even notice, and I'll tell you why. Because when you're not looking at yourself, 
it's because you forgot you were there. You, you, you finally didn't have that need to turn everybody's attention toward you. You could just go out and actually enjoy the people in your life. You could actually engage in a conversation without thinking of, well, I got a better story than that. I can't wait till they take a breath so I can tell my better story. You can actually have a conversation and care about what they're saying. You'll forget about yourself. Probably the best way to say this is that it's just true biblical humility. The best uh, way I've seen it said actually is in um, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. He says it this way, and it's great. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. You see, we, we think humility is, oh, I'm not that great, so, so don't put yourself first. You're, you're, you don't matter that much. They, they matter. Go serve them. No, it's not about bashing yourself down and telling yourself you don't matter. It's about saying, I matter. God says I matter. The matter's settled. I don't need to worry about mattering because God says I, it's done, so I can just forget about that altogether, and I can just go out and enjoy life. I can go do what life uh, that God has put in front of me. I can live that life. So it's not just thinking less of yourself. It's not that at all. It's thinking of yourself less. C.S. Lewis said that if you met a truly humble person, they would not be thinking about humility. They would not be thinking about themselves at all. Because you don't think about humility. You stop fighting that fight. You can rest. You can have freedom from yourself. And it's not trying to be humble. You're not, you're not in that moment where you're trying to stuff down your pride. Or you're sitting there trying to convince yourself that you matter and ignore that voice of low self-esteem. No, when you move past that, you will just be able to live as Christ lived. With an outward focused perspective. Caring about people. Loving people. Following God and the spirit in your heart to do what he has put you here to do. Rather than, at least, rather than thinking through life, at least what is my natural disposition is, what about me? Man, I'm so selfish. Nothing taught me that more than kids. Man, nothing taught me that more than kids because they don't care what you want. They're hungry. They don't care how quiet you like it. They're loud. They don't care if you find a clean environment more peaceful. They're messy. They don't care about any of that stuff. Man, that nothing has helped me on this journey and opened my eyes more to this than kids. And if you think you might be selfish, I got three that I will loan to you. <laughs> but it's, it's an overnight thing, so. And I'm turning my phone off once they're gone, so it's. If you want that, I'm here to help because I'm a loving minister. But that's, the, that's what this can do. It can free you from yourself, and it makes a huge difference in your world where you're not on this mission to look at yourself but you're on a mission to actually live the life God has placed you in and, and enjoy the people and minister to the people that God has put, you, put within your reach. And I'll be honest, I don't think the journey from self-focused to self-forgetful, I don't think that's a quick journey. I don't think it's an easy journey, but I'll tell you this, nothing's going to supercharge your faith like forgetting about yourself. Nothing's going to deepen your relationship with Christ like getting out of your own way. Nothing is going to remove a lot of the landmines from your relationships like you ceasing to obsess about yourself. It is an amazing thing, but it is hard because, you, because there's always going to be voices on either side of you telling you what they think, and you're always going to be tempted to listen to those. People say, you're awesome, you're great, you're wonderful, I wish I could be like you in that area. Or those people say, you are the worst, I didn't like that, you make so many mistakes, why are you even alive? You're going to have those voices. They're always going to be there. But when you can get past them, oh my gosh, and it is possible to get past caring about that, your life will be freed from yourself. And you will have to remind yourself over and, and you may have to remind yourself over and over again 
of this truth, that Christ has already decided that you matter, that you are forgiven, that you are loved. I said last week, that's a little mini sermon that i got to preach to myself all the time, that I am not king of the world and the world doesn't revolve around me. I have to tell myself that all the time, that I am here just one of many of human beings in the world, that God has put me here as a servant, not as one to be served. But I do want to tell you it's possible, but it is a long road, and it's probably a lifelong road of always trying to put yourself on the back burner so that more and more, like Christ, you can be outward focused. And um, I'm going to just, another thing to be honest is a lot of us are going to settle for being normal. We're not going to want to fight this battle because it's unpleasant and it's habit to point everything to ourselves. And it's hard to be a servant when your life wants you to, when your mindset is about drawing people to yourself. But I just want to say this why would you settle for normal? When in Christ, you can be free. Why settle for normal when in Christ, you can be free? Finally having that weight of yourself off your shoulders. It's so much better. It's not easy, but oh man, is it better. Why settle for normal when in Christ, you can be free? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to be less self-focused. It's, it's such a natural thing for us. I think we, we kind of get born into this world wondering about ourselves, caring about our own needs and desires, and, and it's hard to stop thinking about ourselves. But there's so many areas in our lives that are bog, bogged down by the fact that we get in our own way. We can't serve people with a true heart because we're worried about looking servant-hearted. We don't want to help people that need help because we're too busy about giving up, too worried about giving up our Saturday. But I wanted a Saturday. I had a show I was going to watch, some yard work I was going to do. We worry about ourselves primarily. And I just pray, Father, that you would help us be a church that is free of ourselves, free from the self-obsession, free from the self-focus, and focus primarily on who you want us to be, where you want us to go, what you want us to do. Like Christ, you did not put us here to be served, but to serve. And I pray that that attitude would permeate our church and that you would grant us the gift of self-forgetfulness. You would grant us the blessing of self-forgetfulness so that we can actually see the world around us and care about the needs that exist that we can make a difference on rather than caring about our own needs. So free us from that, Father. By your Spirit working inside our hearts, break the hold of selfishness in our heart so that we, like Paul, can look at the opinions and thoughts of others and think, what a small thing to care about that. The only thing that matters is what Christ says about me and that I am free, that I am redeemed and that in God's eyes I am holy and righteous and perfect and that one day he will finish that work so that on the inside I will look like that verdict that I have on the outside. So help us, Lord, in this. It's a long road, but we're ready to take it because we know that the self-focused thing is it's so shallow and it's so short-sighted. We want to live the bigger purpose, the bigger vision that you have for us, which is a life that is outward-focused, caring more about others than ourselves. Thank you for Christ as the ultimate example in this, that he was willing to be so humble, so loving for us, so he cared so deeply about our eternal salvation that he was willing to even go to the cross and experience the worst so that we might have the best. Thank you for his example, and we pray all this in his beautiful and holy name. Amen.